Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Sonny Yusuf. Hey, everybody. It's me again. <laughs> we also have Subrat Mishra. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Stephen Cooper. Hi, everyone. Now, uh, do you want to remind everybody who you are and why you're so awesome? Uh, I Well, I've, uh, I don't know if I'd say I'm awesome yet, working on it. Um, but yeah, no, I think I've... Uh, Probably the thing that I've got my name attached to is NG Template Outlet, following a talk I did at Angular Connect back in 2019 now. And this last year, I've put together an article to go along with that um, video. And I guess just sharing my experience of how discovering NG Template Outlet completely transformed my ability to, to solve some of the issues I was having when designing my Angular apps for um, customization and flexibility. Gotcha. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. I do have to point out that I'm on the Angular and Depth site right now, and I think you're wearing the same t-shirt that you're wearing in your picture on the website. So yes. thanks for showing up and being consistent for us. <laughs> it's the brand image. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to just kind of outline the the basics of the NG template outlet, you know, what it is, what it does, and then we can start talking about use cases and things like that and really get into, okay, how do we use this? How do we take advantage of it? How do we make sure that it's going to do what we need it to? Yeah, sure. So I guess NG template outlet, as the name, I guess, is hinting at, is a place for you to render a template. So you're saying I can create a template. So, you know, that might be some section of HTML code um, and you can give that a name and that becomes your template. And you can then pass that to an NG template outlet. And Angular then knows how to take that template and render it in the position where the outlet is defined. So that's the, the initial starting point. But then the thing which makes this template outlet really useful is the fact that you can provide it with some context. And it gives you this uh, amazing ability to merge context from where you're defining a template with where the template is actually being rendered. And it's these, these things called template template variables, I think they're called, um, I can find the exact name so you can find it in the documentation. But yeah, so it's that context passing and, and using, which is what makes this feature so fantastic for providing complete customization on how, say, a list is rendered. Gotcha. It It's kind of reminding me, at least in my head, of the good old days when I would use jQuery and do like inner HTML or something like that. 
you know, where it's just like, uh, whatever you got, it goes here, right? And you would just identify that div or whatever that you were putting it in. I'm not sure if that completely applies, but that that's kind of where my brain went first when I was looking at this. Yeah, I guess I haven't used that much jQuery myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, be old. <laughs> yeah, but I the part of my motivation, I guess, for submitting this talk to Angular Connect and then writing this article was that when I faced this issue with my code, so I was trying to create a customizable um, like drop-down component, I just couldn't find the right tools for what I wanted to do. And it was really hard to, to search for this, this kind of magical thing which would enable me to you know, provide a custom template to the drop down so you know so you might have a name and you might have a picture or different icons and and these are conditionally rendered based on the content of the list itself so when you're defining what your template should be, you you don't have all the information you need so you need to be able to merge that together with the the context in the list and so it was it took me a long time to to try and stumble across you know ng template outlets but then once i found them it was it was a game changer, really. So then I wanted to, I guess, share that with other people who who hopefully will find them just as useful. So I'm just going to tee this up because it seems like what you're talking about is something that I've done in the past with like NG4 and then NGF, right? And yeah. I know you talk about this in your article. That's why I know I'm kind of teeing it up. But yeah, you said NGF in your article is the wrong approach to this. And that, that I'm sitting there going, yeah, but that's what I've done, right? Is... I have the NG4 that, that gives me my list, maybe for the dropdown like you're talking about. And then the NGF is if if this is the condition, then this class or put this content in or something like that. And so my sort of template would literally just be a, hey, we're going to repeat this div and put all this stuff in it. Yeah. And they conditionally render pieces of it. Yeah. And that that works. You know, if it didn't work, I don't think you would do it. But it's... It's when you start getting more and more of these conditions and your templates, I guess, start growing and you're you're getting to that point where it's like, well, actually, I'd like to reuse some of these templates elsewhere. I mean, I need to, you know, copy that same piece of code and reuse it there. So I think it's it's a lot. It's, I guess it's with a lot of these things when you want to provide just complete customization, then you can't have these 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 templates defined locally, and I think I guess one of the areas where it really becomes I guess a different way of solving it is say you've got multiple clients for what you want to display. So one of your clients might want to have you know pictures associated with the data, or another client might you know might not want that. If you're using ngif, you yourself in your code and your library, you have to support that. And in your build, you have to have all those assets so that you can support it. And I think this is where then you could be introducing you know, dependencies into your code, which are only targeting one client, for example. So you're getting this, I guess, code blow and also, I guess, a bit of a conflict of interest potentially in, in your own template to support all these different clients, which is something where ng template can come in and completely separate that out so you've got your core code which you're responsible for and then you can create completely separate standalone templates specific to each client that you're supporting and they don't have to i guess overlap or 
cause any cross dependencies. Okay, but then why not just use another component, right? Just say, hey, put this component in there for each of the drop-down items or things like that. Yeah, and I think that is the next kind of step, as in you can just you know, go to the next level of an effort of creating a, a component itself and passing the data in. So, I mean, these are all different approaches, and I think you know, each of them has their own benefits and, I guess, effort associated in setting them up. I guess my question with a lot of this is, so what's the difference between using an NG4 and an NGIF versus using an NG4 with a component versus using a template outlet? Like, what what are the structural differences and what are the trade-offs that I'm making? So I guess with the first use case there with your NGIF, all the code which could potentially be rendered has to be defined there within your NG4. Mm-hmm. Everything has to live there, whether it's being displayed or not. If you move towards a component, you, I guess you've encapsulated that, that knowledge of how it should be displayed. Um, and so, but you still got to define that component within your NG4. Um, so you're still, you know, limited in, in a sense to the level of flexibility. It still is restricted to what that component can do. But when we, move to use an ng template outlet in your ng4 there's absolutely no information about what that template is going to do or what it represents all you set up there is some some bindings to the context of that template so you can pass into it you know which item is being displayed uh, potentially which position in the list it is so that part of your code has no idea and no restrictions on what it's going to display. So I think that's where NG template becomes really you know, powerful because if you're creating a library component, you, know, you don't have to worry at all about you know, every different use case. Users can define their template in their own and you can get a template reference to that template and pass it into the component or you can you could even pass it via some store and have these templates dynamically switch so that's another thing I've experimented with. So I think it's just really giving you just a greater deal of flexibility um, than NGFs or, you know, specifically defining a component which would then handle the complexity for you. So uh, uh, like what I remember, I have used the NG component outlet. So like, have you have you heard about that? So it's a kind of, kind of similar thing or there is some pretty huge difference? No, I think they are fairly similar in in what they're doing one of them will be taking a, a template but mm-hmm. another one takes a, a full component as, mm-hmm. a, as a as a reference um i haven't been able to find a use case you know in the work that i've been doing for ng component outlets so i don't have i can't say that i've got working experience of them um but i think they're this mm-hmm. you know the idea behind them is is similar i'm not sure how can you pass inputs and outputs into ng component outlets or yeah the component outlet i have used for the dynamic component allocation so just you need to instance the component pass that so all the things will go inside but yeah not the input outlet i think for input and output you need for output you need event for input you need to inject those data so a little tedious i think come template is a is a good option yeah because i think that's the 
really the, the useful part here is the context and, and the fact that you can put even like callback functions on there. Mm -hmm. So for example, you might be able to, on that context object, you know, provide a, a method which says, you know, like buy this and, and the, which actual item you're buying comes from the list itself. So it's this, it's this mixing together of data from the list of where it's being rendered with, you know, controls or, or settings from external to that template. Mm -hmm. I think this is, this, this topic is, it's probably quite hard to really grasp just verbally, which is, which is why, you know, definitely recommend looking at, you know, either the article or, or watching the video so you can see the, the code and, and see how the code changes when you go from a NGF approach to, to using the template. Um, because I think it does take a little bit of, um, you know, time to be able to really picture it in your mind how this changes where the data is coming from and where the, the context is used. I think here, uh, like, as you can insert a whole template, so this can also be used in the lazy loading of the component, right? So once you lazy load, uh, import the component and then assign to ng template template, will that also work? So if you lazy load the component and then, mm -hmm. yeah, so I think, I mean, I guess would be that it should work. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, because you yes, can provide yes. these, these templates um, dynamically or, you know, you can set set up multiple templates and, and pass them around. Um, and also, I think, you know, the ability that way you, you could define a template in one location and then reuse it in multiple places as well is, is quite nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. So, so how do these actually work? I'm I'm kind of curious. As we've talked about some of these options, I think NGF is probably the best understood, and then the component outlet. You know, just dynamically adding in a component, or yeah, the the template outlet. How does the template outlet actually work? So, yeah. So the first thing that you'll find that you need to define is the template itself. So to do that, there is an ng dash template element, mm -hmm. and then use a syntax like hash and then give it a name you then have access to that template reference you know using that name so if you're if you define your template in your code and say this is you know my template then you need somewhere to then output or render that template so you could use the ng-container element and then you know open up square brackets and use this directive ng-template outlet and give that the name um, that you use to you know, define your ng template. And then what you'll see is that whatever is within that template then actually gets rendered where the ng template outlet directive is used. So if you inspect the HTML code, if you define anything within ng template, that will all appear as just commented out um, and it won't actually render anything into your, you know, the, the browser output. Um, so it's not until you then assign that to an ng template outlet that it will then be rendered in that location. So you, and you can use, you can attach the directive to um, ng container or another ng template or even a div, um, and it's just the difference of where that gets rendered. The nice thing about using ng container is that the ng container element itself disappears. So it is just your template, you know, which then gets rendered into that location. And then if you want to provide context to your template, there's two parts to this. So where your 
passing your template and using the ng template outlet directive you can either provide another directive called ng template outlet context or there's a shorthand for this where you can define the context and that is a i guess a free form object where you can assign you know options or indices and these names are we will refer back to them when we're defining our template so once you've set that context object up if you go back to your ng template um, where you're defining your template you can then use these things called template input variables um, so this is where you'll see like let option or let position equals you know, index and and this is where you can access the properties that you've added to the context object where you're using your ng template applet and where in your input variable you've got let option you'll then be able to refer to that option within your template you know within the double curly brackets and have that option rendered there but at runtime that option will be replaced with whatever is supplied to the context and um, so this is this is where when you're writing your template, you suddenly have access to the data, you know, where it's going to be rendered and you can set up your template using it and, you know, do all your conditional logic there if you want to, or you might not need any conditional logic because you could just provide different templates. I don't know if that makes sense or... Yep, Mostly, yeah. Yep. So I think as I understood, it also will have the access to your audio all your inputs and outputs to the client, it's just rendering the data. Is, is that? Yeah. So within your, within your, wherever you define your template, you have access to all the variables on the component where, you know, where you're currently defining that, but it will also have access to these um, template input variables that will be provided via the context of where it's rendered. Mm -hmm. So uh, like the one, one small question like will it uh, affect any rendering process like how how angular renders will that improve or will affect anything on that i can't say that i've profiled it in terms of you know it's rendering performance I mean, so i can't give you a definitive answer there and um, I, I think definitely my motivation with using this was i can i can define this i can separate the code from my different clients but yeah i would have to investigate it further but you know this is you know a core feature of of angular um so i'm sure that they have worked to make sure that it, it fits a similar model and and works you know in an optimal way yep, yep, yep are you ready for core web vitals fortunately raygun can help these modern performance metrics play an important role in determining the health of your website which is why Raygun has baked them directly into their real user monitoring tools. Now you can see your core web vital scores are trending across your entire website in real time and drill into individual pages to focus your efforts on the biggest performance gains. Unlike traditional tools, Raygun surfaces real user data, not synthetic, giving you greater insights and control. Filter your score by time frame, browser, device, geolocation, whatever matters to you most. And what makes Raygun truly unique is the level of detail they provide so you can take action. Quickly identify and resolve front-end performance issues with full waterfall breakdowns, user session data, instance-level diagnostics of every page request, and a whole lot more. Visit raygun.com today and take control of your core web vitals. Plans start from as little as $8 per month. That's raygun.com for your free 14-day trial. So I think it will be a, we have lots of common component that can be pretty neatly displayed in the code and it's good for 
a bigger project to maintain? Yeah, so the the one uh, outstanding kind of wish list item um, for working with NG templates, which I think is why they're probably not used so widely or so well known about, is that knowing what context properties are available to you. So like, for example, if the someone defines, uh, sets up a component dropdown um, and they're using NG template outlets and they they provide the context, say the item itself and an index and maybe some other property, knowing the names of those input ver- template input variables is just has to be done on looking at documentation. At the moment, you know, there isn't any sense of auto completion or, or type checking. Um, so this is this is something which you know everyone was always asking me is like, well, you know, can we you know have this type checking so that we know what properties are available um, or whether we've you know used the wrong name. So that is a feature which would would make this so much easier to work with, but I still don't think it's quite quite there. Um, or or possible yet. I mean, I might have to come back to that and try again with the latest versions. So that's where if you are using um, ng template outlet it, within a library component, it's critical that you provide your users with the the documentation of of which context names or you know properties are available. Because in my experience, you know, sometimes you're using these in a library. And the only way I was able to find out which context was provided was to go and look at their source code. So it's it's an important thing for for library authors especially to know. Mm-hmm. I think currently are getting what I remember autocomplete for the just child component or something where you have input or output. I guess it's already there in the new new version of VS Code. I guess, but yeah, for this templates thing, we need to check. I think. Yeah. It will, it will come. It will come. That we have, we have lots of VS Code extension. Mm. So I, I think this is where it, it's one of those features where, because it is so flexible, mm-hmm. and you just and you don't know where the template is coming from. So you know you could be setting up your template and and defining these input variables like let item or let content or let index, and this template could be passed anywhere in your application it could go through a, a service it could go through a store so i think there would have to be some kind of link um made to say actually you know what i'm targeting here is is this specific context so that might be might be possible for you know library authors to create some kind of directive or some kind of you know explicit typing that you can then put on your template and then maybe vs code or angular would be able to inspect the properties of that and say okay these are the you know the context objects that are available for you to use because that would be you know a game changer for for ease of use of these ng template outlets Mm. yeah i think it's a it's a pretty 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 good thing like uh, the main thing i can think of is uh, for a developer point of view you will not not need to worry about lots of uh, things in in your file and you just focus on what what you want and what you're developing yeah yeah and i think you know we've kind of often talked about you know library authors but you know this applies within our own applications there's things and components that we want to reuse and in slightly different ways and Mm -hmm. this this gives you a way of you know cleanly separating that or giving you flexibility to 
to, to swap templates in. And I've heard um, other people have used these to manage between like mobile view and desktop view um, so based on, on those kind of you know, flags. You know, if you can just swap in different templates and you've extracted all that you know, knowledge about mobile or, or desktop out of the core component and it, it just says these the, this is the data that's available give me a template and i'll render it yeah it's a pretty good use case yeah uh, i think uh, we can we can also check kind of if, if if you can implement the checking the speed of the user's machine then you can load smaller version of what you are loading if for i'm just saying out loud that it also can be possible i guess if the speed is slow if the user is using 3g then uh, so less data, so less image. Use that template. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a pretty good. Yeah, and I think I've um, another use case is that someone's used it with regards to uh, accessibility, and I don't know whether it was layouts or translations or you know, something along those lines. Where it's, I think it was to do with where you know left to right or right to left, and and handling that in a in an easier way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then sky is the limit. Yeah. And use anything. It's definitely a feature where once you you've grasped it and understood it, you suddenly come across lots of different use cases where it's like, oh, actually, this would be a lot cleaner using a, a template outlet, um, and mm-hmm. that's much more natural in terms of how you set them up, and and yeah, the benefit just just keeps on growing. Yep. yep. Sonny, have you done anything with these? Oh, I've had conversations with a friend of mine that told me about it. I don't think it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a later edition into, I think, version four or five or six, right? Somewhere around that, right? Well, that sounds about right. Yeah. No, I I haven't. I, I still do things pretty much. I mean, I used ng template, so I do like a lot of, I guess, I find myself still doing the all ng if or the ng if else way of, mm-hmm. Because more, a lot of time, or maybe the ng switch technique as well. But I would agree with you when you have more than two things, the ng if and else doesn't make sense anymore. And when you start ng switching with a lot of like component parts, yeah, when someone's gonna cry when they're about to test that piece of code. <laughs> yeah, because you know it's all it's easy for us to write the piece of code, but when testability comes into question, that's when something like what you're talking about comes it really into play as well in its own because it's much more cleaner to test, much more easier to isolate versus, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out what's on screen. So I should probably be looking to do that. Yeah, that's a really good point about testing um, because you then have that complete isolation. As you said, you've, the component where you're defining this template, all that you really need to test there is that it provides the correct context properties to that template. And you can set that up in a test with a, I guess, a test component or test template. Um, and so then that part of the component is completely tested and, and that's it. Whereas then you're testing for, you know, the rendering of the specific templates themselves can then be done separately and and, and nicely isolated in that sense. Yep, yep, yep. So your article said that you've used this for like your kids. Where have you used this at work? Well, yes, my that was a, a way of keeping my clients' uh, identities, you know, hidden and uh, <laughs> pleasing me, um, you know, keeping it separate from... Yeah, from fair enough. Because it's all, you know, their code is all very um, uh, private, you know, and 
you know, they're concerned about, you know, security issues. So I thought, oh yeah, let's uh, change the context. But the code, you know, that is that I used in the demo, that's all pretty much the same code in the same kind of use case. You know, it was a drop down selector. But yeah, no, that was uh, just something to make it easier for me to give the talk, really. <laughs> mm. Can I prefer that? Is this like in the education space? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was finance. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely something I actually I think we should look into using. I every time I've had to do anything that has to do with templates, I kind of go down the component inheritance route, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little bit more, I guess, sometimes over engineered or easily over engineered. But that's kind of the part I've had to for my needs specifically that has made a lot of sense. But then I'll be honest with you, there's been places where I'm just thinking about what you're presenting. It kind of makes sense because sometimes you have certain things where we want to like, well, white labeling applications and we want to make sure that uh, like each application has its own interpretation. And sometimes you got to like provide that ahead of time. And with NG component, what you're talking about the outlet, that would make everything easier versus us really trying to like find and insert things because that's kind of what we do sometimes. So I'd really like, like to dive deep into that particular article at my own time and really see potentially you might actually be saving me a lot of code here. Yeah, which is always a good thing. Yeah, and another thing which I, I guess it did off off the back of this was, you know, raise a ticket with the uh, documentation team to ask for, I, I guess, a, a clearer example on the, you know, the Angular docs themselves. Because I think if you if you go to it w- without really knowing, you know, what it's doing, you know the the current example it doesn't really show you the the potential of of what's possible with it and it's quite it's quite overwhelming it's you know this it's it's a hard thing to i think document clearly and show the potential all the different potential use cases so yeah so hopefully they'll whether it will under become under a guide or um or a different reference but you know because in, in general the docs the angular docs are, are coming forward and you know and, and getting so much better that you know they're doing a really good job there so hopefully this will will come through at some point yeah the last person i requested for a demo chain to the angular documentation took a trip to venus and has come back six times but the, 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 the change hasn't happened so <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's good to see that the docs are coming along hopefully we can get this in there because, yeah, I feel like with stuff like this, if you understand the use cases and you understand the trade-offs between the other options, then you can start to really go, you know what, we're really in a position to take advantage of this. But if nobody sees it, then it's hard to, it's like, well, are you watching all the talks from all the Angular conferences and, you know, doing the other things where you might pick this up in other places? And it's hard to have time for all that. So, yeah, the docs are kind of the landing place for most people. So hopefully we'll see them in there. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, anything else we should cover on this before we move on to picks? No? All right. Let's do picks then. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Subrat, you want to start us off with picks? Uh, yes. So in so in the today's pick again, I'll pick a book. So it's a it's a pretty pretty heavy book. So it's Tools of Titans. It's by mm-hmm. my team Ferris. 
yeah obviously i haven't read all but it is it's feel like you just open a page and you will got some kind of answer so there are some prettier sections so i think it's a it's a pretty pretty good book nice how about you sunny hey. mm, that is interesting i found okay think think carefully sunny think 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 you got one shot at this <laughs> <laughs> so i guess my pick for this week would be mongol db atlas it's crazy right i don't know i feel like it's the most underrated tool out there and i find myself for example i've been using it for a while but this weekend i learned about um how i would use i would need an api call and i'd go like create a heroku instant instance right mm -hmm. but mongodb has functions and what like why um what's it called that made it's so easy you can just extend a http like few functionality mm -hmm. so basically it's like lambda functions but on steroids with everything so you just create if you can buy access anything by curve like by standard http arrest you can just put that in there in the function and no need to spin up a browser and a server or anything and that was really cool i, I did not know it had that feature so now i'm having to not need Heroku and I can just do everything about my app database and functions, all of that external API integration, all of that. It even has like an integration for or how you can store your secrets as a secret and then create a value that reads the secret. So like it's so mature. So yeah, I guess my pick of the week would go to MongoDB Atlas. Yeah, check that out. It's a that, nice too. Awesome. I'm going to throw out a pick for monday.com. So it's kind of my task manager for a lot of stuff. And I've been, I added a software project to it and it has been really easy to manage all my stuff in there. And so I'm going to pick them. I kind of use it for tasks within the business too. And so it's nice to have it in one place, but it manages the software project pretty well. So pretty happy with them. Uh, Steven, do you have some picks for us? I'm going to go with TypeScript itself. Yeah. Recently, um, I've been, I guess, trying to invest, I guess, in my own knowledge of of, of the types and realizing that it is it enables you to define so much more in kind of like business logic in terms of how you can use uh, you know ex even external libraries um, so I've, I've added some you know explicit typing around AZ grid as well in terms of you know defining column types and and giving your users themselves via typescript you know, autocomplete to say these are all the predefined types that we, or column types that we support. Um, and that's just completely transformed my team's, you know, experience of using AG Grid. Um, because now, you know, there's a username column, there's a, a date column, you know, set up. And this is all autocomplete. So if anybody goes and adds in a new, a new type as well to, to all the common set, that will get flowed through to all the applications. And that's just by using you know, a few lines of TypeScript to add this explicit typing on top of the, the interface. And just the benefit you get from it is, is huge. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna pick TypeScript and, and spending the time to, to, to learn it a little bit better. Yeah, and cool. also TypeScript, uh, TypeScript also behind the scene, it will make your code run faster in the browser or in the node because they are providing the type and uh, the the just-in-time compiler will run and it will make the code run faster. There's a very few people understand that, but that's a pretty, pretty good thing of TypeScript. 
what is all this TypeScript witchcraft I'm hearing? I, I clearly didn't get the class. When, <laughs> when everybody was going to TypeScript Hogwarts, I must have missed the train. <laughs> yeah, so. You're not the only one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just in my last last project. I've written about it. I will share the link. But yeah, it's, it, there's this sudden like benefit that you can get from it with with not actually learning or you know or having to use too much and so I think it's you know it was something that I was trying to then you know make sure the rest of my team understood and you know and how we can use these types to to really benefit each other mm-hmm. cool all right one more question and that is if people want to get in touch with you or see what you're doing these days follow you maybe on Twitter get up or just reach out where do they go yeah Twitter's Twitter's the best place it's at scooper dev s cooper dev scooper devs are cool <laughs> all right good deal well we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here thanks for coming this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. Till next time, Max out. Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.